I'm Rebecca Rothstein, and along with my co-host, Leanne Daly, we'd like to welcome you to Say It Forward. Each week, we'll be doing one of my favorite things to do, and that's interviewing interesting people with out-of-the-ordinary life stories. They're all people who took a different path in life. Some never imagined the heights they would achieve, and others, well, they turned their childhood dreams into reality. Sitting in with Leanne and I today is one of our executive producers, Kim Garner. So let's begin. Today we welcome Michaela Conlon into our studio. You may know her best as Angela Montenegro from the hit crime drama Bones. It was nominated for two Emmys and was so popular that it ran an extraordinary 12 seasons. Michaela started acting at the age of seven, performing on the off-Broadway stages of New York and on the cable documentary TV series, The It Factor. She then appeared in a variety of television series such as Here and Now, JAG, and Law and Order. She's also appeared in several roles on the big screen in such movies as Enchanted, The Lincoln Lawyer, and Baby, Baby, Baby. Now you can watch her in a new TV series called Yellowstone, whose cast is led by Kevin Costner, and whose dramatic story unfolds on the great outdoors of the American West. So let's rewind to the beginning and say it forward with Michaela Conlon. Welcome, Michaela. Where did you grow up? Uh, I grew up in, in Allentown, Pennsylvania, which is the name of a Billy Joel Billy song. Joel song. <laughs> <laughs> and I think the lyrics of that song are pretty accurate. It is sort of a small town, kind of has a blue-collar feeling to it. My father is from Philadelphia originally, Irish Catholic, and his parents bought a home there. Uh, my mother is Chinese-American and from Queens, and they met in college and moved us to Allentown when we were very little. And so I spent my whole childhood there. Who's us? I have one older sister. None of my family is in the entertainment industry, which is actually kind of a relief. (laughs) (laughs) But she now lives in Florida with her husband and her her two sons. So it was just the two of us growing up. That's so interesting. So she's older, nothing in this business at all. No. Doesn't live in Allentown. Neither of you live in Allentown anymore. No. Are your parents there? They are. My parents still live there. They have not left. They will stay I think they're going to be, I don't think they're, they, they love it. And I, they come to visit us often. So I think California and Florida are nice places to visit. But yeah, they're still there. And it's proximity to New York for me is really great because I can go home and then go into the city and it's all very, very close. Are they both working? They are both, but one is, my father is retired. My mom is getting there. Um, yeah. And what do they do? My dad sold plumbing and heating supplies. He was in the contracting business for many years. And my mom was a bookkeeper for many years Mm. and then started selling advertising space for a local lifestyle magazine, um, which I'm smiling about because she quickly rose in the ranks there. And, you know, she's one of those people who knows everyone in, in Allentown, Pennsylvania and is a very social person. And, is you know, every time a concert comes to town, the magazine profiles people involved with it. So it's a very social job for her and it's a good fit. So she's stepping out of that. But they, they have no one in my family has ever done anything in the industry or had any desire to. <laughs> you started really young too, right? Yeah, I did. There was a local production of The King and I that was going on in Allentown. And there was a casting call for the Royal Children. And I was six and I got paid. I got six? the job. Yes, I was six. And they it was a whole summer. It was it's a professional regional theater. So I got a real check. I think it was, you know, 50. I don't even know what it mm-hmm. was, $50 maybe. But I remember that being a really 
big deal. (laughs) Did that happen because your mom knew about it? Was it something that you motivated? I did. My parents were, you know, are still so incredibly supportive of this insane job choice. But I had a lot of energy and they didn't really quite know what where to put me. It was like dance classes weren't enough. So let's throw her in a play. There was a lot of movement. I remember as a young child, me like dancing and singing around constantly. So they were probably very annoyed and like just get her in a play or put her in somewhere. So yeah, it just and then I started doing all of this regional theater, mm-hmm. every theater in the Allentown, Philadelphia area there from like six to 18. I was doing a production and some play mm-hmm. somewhere. Mm-hmm. And did you like show folk? Like, did you kind of fall in with the whole lifestyle? And yeah, there wasn't really any other choice or reality like that it just made sense immediately there was it was never a question at all i mm-hmm. remember just thinking yeah this is this is this feels right these people are as big and loud and weird and you know <laughs> as me and it just i felt normal i think for the i remember feeling that at a, at a play rehearsal at, at like nine years old, I was doing like the Wizard of Oz at some, you know, church or something. And, and I remember the kids just being, I remember understanding that I was in the right place. And so that was age six. So you went from yeah. six. I, and I know that you left at the end of high school to go to New York. But between six and 16 or 17, what was that path like in the middle there? It was a lot of place, a lot of local, regional plays, dance classes, Then in high school, I just wanted, I knew I wanted to go to New York and I knew I wanted to go to NYU. That was sort of like a a goal. So I knew that my grades were pretty good, but I knew if I did a lot of extracurriculars, it would, it would look really good. So I became the president of this and the vice president of that. And I, I was very busy all through high school. I just remember that being kind of a whirlwind, but I just wanted to get to New York. LA was not even on the radar yet. That was none of my family is from California. That was not even, but New York was, so close yet so far away. So I, I knew that I wanted to just, you know, figure out how to mastermind a plan. Did you feel good about yourself when you were growing up? Yes, it, I, I asked that question because I would imagine so. Yes. It, my parents got divorced when I was a teenager. So there was an element of it that now that I'm older, I see that that was a way of also dealing with that. Well, leading up to that time of them divorcing, I would imagine there was some strife in the family. Yes, yes, for sure. And we're all very close to this day. But as joyous as that was, there was also there was another element of it that I liked being <laughs> I right. liked being elsewhere. Right. So it didn't dawn on me until many years many years later. Who drove you around when you were a kid? They both did, and my sister did. And then you know you get a license and you're. <laughs> and you're on your own. But um, my mother and father are wonderful. I think for her, it was a surprise. The whole family was very surprised that this is something that I wanted to do because it's not something that she ever wanted to do herself. But she, her voice, I, I remember her always saying, speak up, be loud, take up space. I think because for her, it was what she was trying to do and in, in marrying my father and moving to a town that's largely white. And, you know, I think it was a reminder to herself too, to like, but I, now that I'm older, I, I, I realize how valuable those things were in terms of this career path. You know, it really became, but that's for later on. What does your sister do? She's a human resource manager. Very, you know, hard totally. Job. Di- yeah, it is a hard job. Hard job. Yeah. Particularly now. She's been in the corporate sector for such a long time. But she sees the world as it's very black and white. You know, I'm right. like, it's all, it's all gray. Yeah. It's how we feel. And, yeah. you know, and she's like, no, it's, it's not how you feel. There are rules. Here are the rules. So I find that structure really 
calming, you know. You lived really close to New York, but your mom didn't put you into the New York auditioning world. Yeah, that was definitely a choice of you can wait until you're 17 or 18 to do this. We don't need to be driving you in and driving you out. And Right. That's one dimension of it as a parent. The other dimension is letting you be very confident and successful so that you could develop it. Yeah, I I did some. I'm very tall. So I got approached by this modeling Mm -hmm. agency when I was like 15 and very awkward. So I did that for a brief minute. We were, I remember going into Philadelphia and coming out, but I wasn't a fan of that. I wanted to talk. Right. <laughs> and when did you move to uh, New York after high school? Yeah. Well, there's these strong theater programs mm-hmm. in Carnegie Mellon and Boston University and Juilliard and all these places. But I knew that I wanted to go. I just I, I don't even know why I was so fixated on MyU, but I just was. But we didn't have a lot of money. So my dad, I remember sitting at the table with him and I had gotten accepted and he said, well, this is not going to work. We can't, we can't do this. And I said, no, we can. <laughs> so that and was we not will. a discouragement to you. <laughs> I, I was like, no, I, no, this, no, I, I've gotten into that. I did my, I'm no, this is happening. And he, I remember him pushing a file for a temple university over, it was a state school, great school, just not where I wanted to go. And said, well, we've got other, op- you know, there's other options. I said, I, no, I think, I think we can do this. So I wrote letters to the financial aid office f- every day for six months or something. I don't know. Every <laughs> single, Dory Smith Wilson. I remember this woman's name. I had a word processor. I would write Dear a letter. Dory. <laughs> Dear Dory. Every day it was another. Finally, she, ca- I remember her calling and saying, we are giving you a scholarship. We're giving you a scholarship. You're so annoying. <laughs> no. Have you spoken to her now? Like, does she, in hindsight, does she see your success? That would be, so, I'm sure, oh, so. I know. I should find out to if have she's that still conversation there. now. Like, I know. I, there's an alumni. They asked me to speak a couple of years ago. I couldn't because we were shooting the show. But yeah, she helped facilitate a big scholarship. I got a good size scholarship, and then my parents said, "You're going to have to get a job. You're going to have to work through school. We're gonna. You're going to have loans." If that's what you want to do. I was like, yep. So how <laughs> old were you there? 17, 18? Seven, almost 18. And then in 96, I left and went to school. And so. how was acting, school, working, yeah. living in New York City? That's like a lot. It was a lot. In hindsight, it might have been a little bit much. But the program itself, first of all, you're exposed to so much great theater as a theater student at NYU. You're seeing shows on Tuesdays and Thursdays and Sundays and Saturday. I mean, you know, I saw Philip Seymour Hoffman in a tiny 200 seat theater on a Tuesday night. You know, you're seeing all of this while you're in in these classes with teachers who are working. It was such an, the environment was so formative. Now that I've been living in Los Angeles a long time, I'm so thankful for having that exposure at that age. Cause I think it just, you, your mind bends around all those things and it was wonderful and incredibly competitive. The undergrad program, there's a lot of students in, but you're in shows, you're rehearsing for shows. You're, you also have a whole liberal arts component of NYU, which is what parents really like about it. Cause it's not just one kind of program, but you know, a lot of these kids come from Los Angeles. So then I met a lot of kids that I ended up knowing when I when I came here. But that period of time was really kind of a blur because I was also <laughs> then working in restaurants and bars at night, which was another whole side of New York City that I'm also really glad that I was exposed to that was completely out of the collegiate umbrella. Where'd you work in New York City? I worked at a place called Clementine. I worked at Lotus, which was a nightclub mm-hmm. in the meatpacking district. Many, many hours of sling and drinks. Wow. To learn the skill set that you have as an actor today, do you learn that when you were at Tisch and take that now out into the world? Do they refine you and 
Yes. NYU's undergrad program asks you to choose. There's all, all these different styles of acting and they place you in one of the, the studios. They're called Atlantic Theater Companies, Meisner, Stella Adler, Experimental Theater Wing. And, and you develop there for two years and then you can move elsewhere. You know, you're 18 and 19 years old. So I think for me, while that training was wonderful, what I took away more was going to see plays constantly. That's what I've taken with me today. But I did a program in Amsterdam which was called the Experimental Theater Wing, which was um, a lot of physical work, voice work and body work, which I think when you're shooting 14 hours a day on a set is the stuff that you go back to. Wow. So, yes. Can you talk about that a little bit? Well, that's a that's a harder question because it depends on what you're shooting. With Bones, which was such a long part of my career and that just finished, it's like you're running a marathon, you can't get sick. You are in it for 10 months of the year. It's a relentless schedule and it does not stop for you. And you learn that very quickly. You know, the first season, I think all of us had breakdowns of some kind. It's just 22 to 24 episodes a season is a lot. Now it's a lot. You know, it's becoming not as normal anymore. But we did 12 seasons of that. In that respect, to answer your question, you really rely on that because you don't have a lot of time to turn around material. So you have to be in your body. You have to use your voice. If you don't, you will just, it, it doesn't work. Yeah. So you disintegrate under the pressure yeah, of, of you the pace do. of it. Yeah. And you did yeah. work on Broadway, off Broadway. When we were in school, I worked with the Atlantic Theater Company and Playwrights Horizons, which were two branches of the undergraduate program and did theater there and then moved out here right after I graduated. Instead of pursuing a Broadway career, you came to do television. Which do you prefer? Well, the reason I came to do television is because I was working in restaurants and bars and my friends who were in Los Angeles were doing television shows. <laughs> <laughs> when did you get an agent? So I, um, I was like, I think this yeah, is, is going to be the right. Just at that point, you know, I knew there was just more. I got an agent in school. I did a workshop thing and an agent came and saw me there. And then I started doing, I did a law and order, which I think is a rite of passage for every New York actor. New York actor yeah. I did like independent films and stuff there and then moved to LA in 2002. Did you move for pilots? I did. Yeah. Yes. I moved for pilot season and I said, I will move back if I don't get one. But I got one very quickly, which was great. You know, I had a Toyota Corolla and I was driving around. I did not drive on the freeways. I was so scared. <laughs> I had a Thomas guide and I would drive on the side streets because and I remember they said, we're shooting part of this pilot in uh, Torrance, I guess, which you mm -hmm. have to take the... And I thought, oh, I'm, I'm going to have to get on the freeway. And I remember driving, white knuckling the steering wheel and like just getting – I, I just remember thinking, oh, my God, you know, the six lanes of traffic. I was like, this is not Allentown. This is, this is, this is another <laughs> world out here. What was that pilot? What was that first big break? Uh, it was a great show. It was called MDs. Um, Jane Lynch was in it. And, mm -hmm. Oh, my um, God. I love her. Thomas yeah. Lennon and um, William Fickner was the lead, John Hanna. It sort of had like a – it was a kind of a dark comedy about – the hospital system. Um, and I played a young intern at the hospital. But, you know, that was a big deal, going to the studio and testing and going to the network. I knew nothing about any of that. So I just remember that being that being pretty wonderful. Mm -hmm. How prepared were you compared to the other kids at Tisch, considering that you did it from such a young age? I mean, at NMIU, there were a lot of kids who had agents as kids, whose parents are in the business. I feel like I remember there being a lot of kids who had a lot of experience. You also did a show called The It Factor. This was pre when Bravo had its like moment there and whatever it was, the 
the 2000s, they did this documentary series called The It Factor, which was about actors' lives. It was not a reality show. They followed everyone independently. They did one in New York and one in L.A. Jeremy Renner was actually in the one in L.A. And I was in the one in New York and I did it because I went to a casting and and Hopkins Smith Barton, who was doing the casting, said, hey, we're doing this kind of crazy documentary and your story would be so great. You're about to move. Can we follow you moving out there? (laughs) Okay, All right. I guess so. (laughs) Me like packing boxes and saying bye to my dad. And so that's what they did. I remember a cameraman being in the back of my car as I was driving into a curb because I had to take driving lessons when I first got here. I, I don't know That's if that ever made it into the show, but yeah, yeah. He follows you out here to yeah. LA and then you get cast and you get a I job. do, yeah. And it went to series and I <laughs> I was like, I'm going to pay off all my debt with the show. I'm just going to pay off my debt. The show ran for eight episodes and it went off the air. Um, and so I was back <laughs> Not enough where money to pay off your debt. Right. And that was a big lesson to learn is that, you know, no one tells you these things as an actor that you think things are going to go forever and you, you know, so then I, was, I had been on TV and then I was... You know, that ended. And then a few months passed and I got another show called The DA, which was with Steven Weber. And um, actually, I think Felicity Huffman recurred on that. Sarah Paulson and J.K. Simmons was oh, a great cast. I love JK. That was in like 2004. That only went for a couple of episodes. And then I met the casting who was then the head of casting at 20th Century Fox, had seen the DA and called me in for a general meeting and said, we have this show called Brennan. It's a pilot. Uh, I think there's something in it for you that could be really fun. And you should read it. And so I did. And I went to meet producers. And then that ended up being Bones. That period of time happened very quickly. You went from one job to the next job to the next job. So you weren't really struggling to get employed. It's true. There was a period between the first show and the second show that that was, you think as an actor, you're never going to work again. You just think it's never going to happen. And I remember that period being a very dark period because before you know what it's like to be on TV, it's, you know, you don't (laughs) know. And then you're on it and you're like, oh, well, now I'm I'm off of it again. And I, but it's like, that's, you know, those are the rules of the game. Did you have friends here when you came out here? I had a few from NYU. Two of my very, very close friends had been at NYU with me. I had done theater with them. And um, I came out early for my class. It was, you know, this was like the early 2000s. So people have now, you know, I remember, you know, 2008, nine, a lot more people from New York moved out. But I remember there not being that many people here. Were you Um, living with those people that you knew? I was living with an ex-boyfriend who we were together for a long time and are not anymore. But we lived together in an apartment in West Hollywood that had huge cockroaches. (laughs) Oh my God. <laughs> Tell us about the yeah, cockroaches. Which is so insane. We were talking about, speaking of cockroaches earlier, but I had cockroaches in my New York apartment. I'm like, I moved 3,000 miles to Los Angeles and somehow I have these cockroaches. It seemed like some kind of, you know, otherworldly thing. But yeah, they were, I just have a phobia of them. I hate them like oh my God. God. I mean, it's debilitating. Can we go back to that really vulnerable statement you made about like, once you've been on TV, You don't know Mm. if you're going to get back on. How do you maintain your craft? How were you feeding Mm. your artistic soul? Were you studying? Were you? Yes, for sure. I was, I I studied with two teachers here in Los Angeles, actually, all, even through most of the run of shooting bones. But I think if anyone that does this can say that you have to have so much faith in yourself all the time that it seems impossible at points. 
But I think part of it was just um, blind faith. And then now that I've been doing it a little while, I know that it's cyclical and that everything kind of goes in a cycle and you have to trust that you are seen and what you're doing is seen by someone. And I'm just curious too, were you continuing to do theatrical, like theater, live theater? Were you studying improvisation? Bones finished last year and I didn't have, I mean, you don't have time when you're doing those shows to do anything else. Yeah, and yeah, it was so really like years, yeah. I would you know I would go to class when when I could, mm-hmm. but it's very tricky as you don't as you never know your schedule and you can't. It's it's tricky because you can't also do, you know, those shows commit you for a big chunk of the year. So, it's you know, it's very yeah. hard to fit anything else in and but I think seeing plays is always something that I keep coming back to. I've noticed here that mm-hmm. like I would go to New York and see as much theater as I could and read as much as I could and I produced a film like five years ago with some friends. I was writing things. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I would I would just try to keep my brain on other things. Yeah. How would your like your background like a very grounded background? It sounded like parents not mm-hmm. in the business. How has that served you now with all the fame and all the stuff that you, that's involved in the business that you're in? You mm-hmm. seem very grounded in who you are. As a woman, I think those things are, are helpful. Sometimes when I go home, my, I'll say, do you guys have any sparkling water? Is there any sparkling water here? And my dad will always say, you know, you, you got to have that fancy water. You know, there's a lot of like, it's a lot of, <laughs> but I do feel like there's an insistence that what we do is not that important when I'm home. It's not more important than what my sister does. It's not more important than what my family does. It's wonderful, but it's not saving lives. <laughs> really, right. It's not, they're very clear about that in a way as proud as they are of me it's not um sometimes i wish maybe it was more i mean they're I very say, proud but um that? i it's i appreciate it now that i'm that i'm older because it is a job you know we're not more special because we're we're on television and the movies it's just sort of what people do going back to your bones which ran for 12 seasons yeah, i mean that's a crazy did. amount of time did. did you think the show would run that long no we didn't know in the first season if you know if we were going to get a back nine, and then you don't know if you're going to come back the next year. And once we hit a hundred episodes, then it becomes another thing entirely because you know you're syndicated and you're yeah, money changes. And yeah, you're internationally. You're you know you're and it runs all over the world today. Runs all over the world. It runs at all different points of the day, and you know then it, that I remember that change happening when they picked us up for two seasons at a time. I think it, we picked us up for like six and seven or seven and eight. Which again, as an actor, is like an unheard of situation. But I will say that skill set of doing a show for that long with largely the same people, it's a hard job. And I worked with wonderful yeah. people. But to keep a show going that has so many moving parts and is a, is airing, there's this kind of relentless marathon feeling of it that you, you just got to get it. You got to like get on board. <laughs> and, and so much it. more depends on it as it gets more and more successful. Too. Yeah, yeah. The stakes true. get higher, right? It's true. We were kind of under the radar in the beginning and it kind of slowly built over time. And then we were on Netflix. So recently there's been all these like 13 to 15 year old girls who have been watching the show, which is so cool. Because they were so little, I mean, they're barely born when we were sh- began to shoot it. And I had these this group of girls come up to me recently who were teenagers, and they said, "We want to be scientists because we're watching the show." That's and we, the thing. Oh, yeah, oh, want to be scientists. Oh, yeah, I was awesome. a forensic artist on the show, and, and we're interested in, in pathology and anthropology. And I'm like, "You're 14. This is so cool." So, but, the, but stay with that for a second, because that's one of the questions that I wanted to ask you. Is how you had a very specific scientific intellectual role? Well, interestingly, 
the character that I played was the only one who was not a scientist in the group. So they were all scientists and Angela was really the one who was the audience saying, after they spoke, you know, technical jargon for a page, she would say, what do you mean? It was sort of the audience's way of understanding what was going on. However, she had to identify the bodies. So I had to, they put me with several consultants on the show who helped me understand how you build a face from just a skull and do police sketches with people. And her job was identifying the bodies. We had a lot of great people on the show. The people who built the bodies were really great because they were in different states of, de- of decomposition every week. So, you know, they had to bring in like, we need more, you know, weird positions worms, you and know. we need, you know, they'd be dumping mealworms on bodies. We'd be shooting at 630 in the morning and they just bring a vat of bugs in. I mean, it was, <laughs> oh my <laughs> doesn't God. help with the cockroach. So now you're here, you're in LA. Now you've been here for what, 14 years, 15 years? Yeah, yeah. And you've worked pretty much nonstop since you've been here. And but by now you have a life. You've nested, you've settled, you have feet in the ground, you've got a social life. What are the things that you love to do? I really like to take dance classes, which I'm actually not very good at at all, even though I took them as a kid. But that's a thing that I've been doing. I dance around a lot, like in my house. By myself. <laughs> so then I started music I, loud, dancing. Music around. loud, yeah. a lot of that. I read a lot. We go to see movies a lot. We go we travel a lot when we can. Those things keep me pretty mm-hmm. busy. So when you think about your life and look back, was there anything that you didn't do that you wish that you had done? Had more fun in my twenties, mm-hmm. I think. Not worried so much about work in my twenties. Mm-hmm. That That's would so probably be I was really working. In my twenty, I felt like I was really just. It wasn't a. It, I don't remember it being as fun as I think it could have been. It was wonderful, and I learned so much. But I would say that just to Stop just and to, smell it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Would, like what a great time to be, you know, in New York City, and yeah. I don't know that even in, even in the early years of moving here. Well, I want to say that I'm very proud of you, and I really appreciate you coming today. And much luck in the next chapter and getting married and getting your new house. So good luck. Thanks, Rebecca. Thank you, ladies. On the next Say It Forward, you'll meet the man who directed music videos for the world's greatest music talent. We're talking about so many bands from Aerosmith to ZZ Top, from Diana Ross and Cher to Heart to Kiss, Stevie Nicks and Twisted Sister. He also made a ton of music specials with Bette Midler, Paul Simon, Fleetwood Mac and Whitney Houston. And if that wasn't enough to keep him busy, he got hired to direct comedy specials and concerts with the likes of George Carlin, Jerry Seinfeld, Robin Williams, Will Ferrell and Chris Rock. We're going to find out just what he did to make his career such a success when we rewind to the beginning with Marty Kallner on the next Say It Forward. Thanks for listening to Say It Forward. Help us grow by subscribing to our podcast. Please subscribe on iTunes or at www.sayitforwardpodcast.com. Don't forget to rate and review us on the iTunes store or like and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Instagram. 